of the very best operators. Marked up in the garage. Wow. This has been coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Welcome to Parked Up, episode 26, powered by Race Fuels. I'm Tony Delberto, and alongside me I have Grant Rowley. Hey, y'all, mate. Good, thank you. Very good. Welcome back for another week. It's another week in lockdown, but like we've been saying the last few weeks, another week to talk about the racing that happened over the weekend. Lots to talk about there. Uh, we've got a new Formula 3 world champion, that Oscar was, Piastri. That was cool. Unbelievable. We've got some special guests today. And finally, Grant, mm -hmm. I've got some clarity around my travel plans for Bathurst. Wow. Big time. Excellent. And it sounds like you're going to be getting a lot more sun than what you're getting down here in Melbourne. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait. We'll, uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. But we do have some special guests for this episode of Parked Up. Roland Dane. Yes, Roland Dane. The man who everyone says runs the sport is going to speak to us. Is he going to run gonna... our podcast next? He might. He probably owns it. He did he ring he you or did you ring him? No, I sent him I sent him a message. Okay, fair enough. And he I just thought he was you know, he wanted to come on the show. Oh, okay. Well we could go with that. Let's go with that instead. <laughs> now Roland's gonna come on the show a little bit later and looking forward to speaking to him. He's got his triple eight race engineering business, the Red Bull Holden racing team. He plays a huge role in the sport, so lots and lots of questions to ask. And of course, he, uh, he's also just started or restarted a uh, his own racing career. So I'm sure we'll, we'll ask him a little bit about that That was actually as well. really funny after he did that race at Townsville and they had a few memes that came up yep. with Mr. Bean. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, well, there was some uncomplimentary uh, camera angles, yeah. I, I thought. And it looked like he was just absolutely cruising down the straight and around the track. <laughs> and, and then they'd pan to like Mr. Bean or they did one with uh, on board with Jamie or, or Shane and Jamie, they're like, mus like muscling this supercar around the track. And uh, Roland's just like little Miss Daisy, you know. <laughs> do, 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 do. It was quite funny. Well, I'd like to know how much that Jaguar XJS is worth. Like, I certainly want to, wouldn't want to be fencing it. Maybe if you were driving it around Queensland Raceway, yeah. you could potentially muscle it a little bit more. But around Townsville, you make a mistake and that thing's in the, in the wall big time. Well, I was surprised that they, they took it out at Townsville. Do you know if he owns it or does Paul Morris own it? Not, not sure. I'm not sure. Because Paul Morris was driving it as well. And they showed a little bit of onboard of him changing gears and some rock gear changes, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, boys and their toys. Okay, so, uh, so yeah, we're going to catch up with Roland. Um, we've got some news and some views to go through. But on our Facebook page this week, Tony D, we asked our fans what was the very first race meeting that they ever went to. So uh, we got some really, really cool responses. Before we get to their responses, what was the first race meeting you remember ever going to? Look, besides from go-kart events when I was really, really young, the first you know, proper race car meeting that I went to would have been the Bathurst 1000. And I used to go to that with my uncle Ferdy mm -hmm. and Arnie Nola. Yep. Sounds like a caravanning trip. Yeah, it pretty much was, to be honest. Every year they would take me. And we'd we'd either camp on top of the mountain or we would be in a you know a, a bungalow down in town, but uh, that that happened year on year and year. And I remember one of my early memories was when Larry Perkins, I think it was '94 maybe, and he got taken out at the start of the race or his tire. Yep, '95. Yeah, yep, '95. And I was so angry as a young kid that he was out. I thought he was out of the race. Like he's never going to win this race. And I remember saying to my uncle that I wanted to go home. Oh, like, no. this race is over. You know, I'm done. Did you realise that home was like a nine-hour drive away? Yeah, so then we decided just to hang around. Right. So it was, a, it was a good result in the end. Yes, very good result. <laughs> awesome race, an absolute classic. Um, what was okay, yours? Uh, we'll, we'll come to that later. So what oh. I decided to do, so last week in the podcast, um, we'd asked another question, and we were just talking about what our fans had said on Facebook. But this time, Tony... I've gone to the people. I've got the people who have been commenting to... Uh, I've, I've called them up and I actually spoke to them. So the very first one that I spoke to was Andrew Cook. My first car race that I went to was in 1969 at Sandown Park in Victoria. Uh, I was still in my pram, so I don't really remember it 
but the backstory was that my mum and dad, uh, the immigrants out of England, didn't have much money, but my dad worked with a bloke who was a corner marshal, and we got free tickets. So of a Sunday, we'd go to the car racing and sit at Peter's Corner uh, for the old folk, who, that's term one, and I've got photos of me in my pram at the 69 race. Moving forward from there, I've been to every race and now I'm 51. I uh, only missed four races, but it's my happy place that I go to. Every time I go there, I can still smell the fuel, hear the cars, and the view of the track is phenomenal. Uh, that's got me hooked ever since. So that was Andrew and his memories from his first meeting at Sandown. I think he was a little bit too young to actually remember it, but he's been hooked ever since, which is great. Next up, I spoke to Madison Down. Uh, my first race meeting I went to would be in the Super Trucks in the late 1990s at Oran Park Raceway. Uh, Super Trucks back then were pretty massive in the Camden area, so to, to go there as a kid and see the crowds and um, the entertainment, I guess, between, in- I remember Inky Tullick and Rodney Creek, obviously, was the local hero and used to do massive burnouts at the end of the races when he won there, so it was just amazing to see Super Trucks there as a kid, and the atmosphere at that place is one that I've never had replicated at any other racetrack. It was just amazing with, you know, about 25,000, 30,000 people at that last corner hill all cheering um, cheering people on. And it's a shame that super truck racing has kind of fallen away since the track's gone. Nice to hear from another Campbelltown boy. That is my old stomping ground. Now, next, I spoke to Adam Blattman, who says that his first race weekend was at the Thunderdome. My first uh, racetrack was uh, 1988, uh, Corner Park Thunderdome, a family trip down from Sydney uh, to see it there. I've been told at the time that would have made me uh, three months old uh, for it there, so you can imagine what I can remember um, being there, but that memory of just the Corner Park Thunderdome, you know, NASCAR coming to Australia and everything has resonated with myself from there uh, for it, but yeah, just a, you know, a cool thing at three months old being at a racetrack. And we thank Adam for his time there. Tony, did you ever get to go to the Thunderdome? Did you ever see race around there? Never did. I've, I've gone and had a look at the Thunderdome, but never when cars are going around. There's a bit, there's like grass on it now, so. Grass, there's trees yeah. growing through the old grandstand. Yeah, nah, nah. She's, never got to see it in its glory, mate. She's a heritage piece. Yep. Uh, another regular Facebook commenter on the Parked Up Podcast Facebook uh, page is Mark Tierney, of course, uh, he is our major sponsor through the Race Fuels, which we love their race the mm. race fuel support. Love that blend of race fuels. So we caught up with Mark very quickly about his first ever car race. My first race meeting was the Sandown 500 in 1988. I remember that at the time the bright red uh, Shell Sierra with Dick Johnson behind the wheel was a car that really took my attention. Uh, my father was a Shell distributor at the time, so anything with a Shell uh, logo on it got my attention. And uh, I do remember being in the grandstand. It was kind of cold and it was really loud and I loved it. And of course, we thank Race Fuels for their continued support. Now from one mark to another mark, this is Mark Rowley, my father, who uh, was is, also comments on there supporting his uh, son's quest to rule the podcast <laughs> world in Australian motorsport. I caught up with him to tell him what I want for Christmas and also what his first car race was. My first race meeting was the 1972 Touring Car Championship round at Warwick Farm. Moffat, Jane, Dagan some guy called Dick Johnson in a Tirana. Moffat spun Jane out and uh, just started my love of motor racing. So I thank Dad and I thank all the people who took their time to uh, to speak to me on the phone a little earlier to, uh, to talk about their very first race meeting. Tony, you asked me what my first mm. race meeting was. I was far too young to know, so I got Dad to tell me where it was. My son, Grant who you might know, uh, his very first race meeting was at Oran Parks, sitting at the dog leg. Well, actually, he wasn't sitting. He was lying in his, his basket. We didn't have any car seats back in those days, but that was Grant's first race meeting. So there you go. My first race meeting was at Oran Park in a cot or in a 
just hanging in a car. He said that there was no car seat, so I don't know how they got me around. I don't know how I'm still alive. Like, people <laughs> of my generation should not be here. One car crash and you're dead. <laughs> I've got nothing to add to that. <laughs> so we thank everyone for, for getting involved in that, and we'll ask Roland Dane a little bit later on about where his first car That could be was. anywhere. It could be. I'm going to guess it's somewhere in the UK. He's been around a while. He's, he's been around. Okay, so... We obviously always thank our very good friends at Race Fuels for their help and assistance with our podcast. Of course, the Race Fuels is the best and only way to get your fuel at the track for any type of motorsport that you do. And I know we're not doing as much motorsport as we'd like to do now, but when we do get back, Race Fuels are going to be there. And here's a very quick message from them. Racing cars need racing fuel. And Race Fuels is the best, most convenient way to power through your next meeting. Our famous Elf Race 102 is the control fuel of choice for the Touring Car Masters. It's available at the Bowsers, at Sydney Motorsport Park and the Bend. And it's available in drums at Winton. Imported direct from France, Elf Race 102 is affordable horsepower. For more details, head to racefuels.com.au. Oh yeah, I love that race fuel. All right, Grant, let's get into the news. Okay, no supercars racing this weekend, Tony, but still lots to talk about in our news, which is powered by our very good friends at motorsportwebsites.com.au. Of course, everyone would have seen our new website now. It looks Looks, pretty good. Looks great. Yeah, awesome. Really, really cool. Great. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, motorsportwebsites.com.au. Those guys will put together your website and they've got a racing brain, so they mm. they speak our language. So um, if you do need a website or or uh, any of your marketing material, uh, motorsportwebsites.com.au is the place to go. No supercars racing this week, Tony. Thought we were going to get a break from uh, talking about racing. but No uh, way. No, still heaps on. And uh, the Formula One Grand Prix, it was a mess. It was out of control. <laughs> there was red flags. There was crashes on the front straight. Uh, we saw Lewis Hamilton take the win ahead of Valtteri Bottas. And Alex Albon got his first podium in the Red Bull. Yep. First tie driver to get a podium in Formula One. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's good. That's Danny good. Rick. Fourth. Fourth. Almost third. Yep. Yep. He's having a really strong run at the moment. He's, he's just like building up. And then he's going to leave the team. Yes. And Fernando Alonso is going to come in and take all his glory. Well, we'll see. That will be interesting. I can't see Fernando being able to do what or, or match Ricardo, what, what he's doing right now. I don't think he will initially, for sure. I mean, Daniel has had that many years in Formula One. He's at the top of his game. And, yeah, Fernando will take a little bit of time to settle back in. We saw when Michael Schumacher came back in, it took him quite a long time to get going again. There was a bit more of a break, don't yes. get me wrong. Yep. Um, but, hey, Fernando Alonso is one of the best drivers in the world, so I'm yeah, sure, sure he can adapt. Well, I guess, uh, I mean, I brought up Ricardo as the yardstick, but it's not really Ricardo. It's going to be whoever drives the second car. Um, yeah, I think Esteban Ocon. Ocon yeah, is I think he he's still, still there. Yep. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, Ocon hasn't been too far away from where no. Ricardo's been, but... Yeah, nowhere near him in in terms of the race results. I think no. Dan's sixth in the championship, where Ocon is uh, is quite a bit away. Anyway, Dan is one of those guys that seems to be out to outperform his teammate year on year. It's it's very rare that over a year he gets outperformed. Even when he was um, alongside Max Verstappen, he still outperformed the guy. And Max was hailed as the greatest thing ever. So I think Daniel's uh, you know operating at a very high level. So it'll be interesting to see. Interesting to see where he go, where where how he goes, I should say, at McLaren next year. Mm, okay, well, we'll leave next year for next year. Uh, but there's been some news in the in the local world mm. with supercars, I guess, and its teams finally coming to an agreement about where, uh, particularly these filthy Victorians, mm. us filthy Victorians, are going to go and stay and do their quarantine in the lead up to the race. You finally got some clarity on what you're doing. Tell yep. us about that. Yeah, it's awesome to get a little bit of clarity. I'm doing it a little bit different to some of the other co-drivers. Supercar's plan is to actually have the Victorians quarantine in New South Wales. I'm, I'm not exactly too sure where. 
but it was just prior to the Bathurst race uh, and come out of quarantine, like basically the week of the event. DJR wanted me to come up to Brisbane to spend a little bit of time with the team just prior to the race. So I can't actually go from Victoria to Brisbane. They won't let me in. Tom Hanks wrecked that apparently. <laughs> so they're sending me to Darwin. So I'm going to Darwin for two weeks to quarantine in the sunshine and, you know, cocktails and whatever else. I'm sure. Yeah. Two, two weeks of fun in the sun. <laughs> uh, and then after that, I'll head to Brisbane for a week and spend some time with the team and then go on to Bathurst after that into Sydney. So it's a little bit of a round trip of the country, but, you know, whether you're quarantining in Darwin or you know, Adelaide, Sydney, wherever, it doesn't really matter. I think there probably is a little bit more freedom in Darwin. I think uh, the place where I'm going to do it, you can actually get outside a little bit more, not just roam around, but I think there's like an area where you can get some fresh air and, and things like that. So I'm looking forward to it. it. It sort of finally feels a little bit real. I'm excited about the event and, and now the preparation really does does begin. So Still going to be a bit strange though, Grant. There's there's no seat time leading into the Bathurst 1000. Nothing planned. Not even a day in a go kart. It's just just nothing. So that's that's quite weird. But you know we're all, all in the same boat there. But uh, when I'm pulling gears down Conrad for the first time, it'll certainly feel fast. <laughs> You'll remember, like just yeah, muscle like, memory. Yeah, You'll exactly, be fine. Exactly. So one of the interesting things that people like yourself will have to deal with is health well-being mindfulness during the isolation time mm. during the time that you have to quarantine yep. um you have your main man lee stamation mm. who does a bit of work with you he uh, works uh had his own business reaction fitness now he's going to look after look after you in terms of what what does he do well he's i've been working with him for probably about four months now trying to get myself to a point where I feel like I'm physically prepared. Um, obviously, we, we can't go to the gym even at the moment here in Victoria. So there's been a lot of stuff at home. He supplied me some equipment and, and a program around that. Uh, but now it, it takes another turn going to Darwin where I can't really take any equipment and I'm going to be sort of locked or confined into a room. So all the work that we've done, we don't want to lose that base um, going into the biggest race of the year. So that's, that's a challenging thing uh, for him to to come up with a program and he's working on that now. Cool. Well, let's ask Lee himself what that program might look like and what your two weeks in Darwin is going to entail in terms of health, fitness, well-being. Now that we know uh, Tony's heading up into isolation for a couple of weeks and we've got some details around it, we're putting together a, a program. Like Basically, we've been working pretty hard or Tony has been very compliant with the workout program that we've had him for the last, or going through for the last four months or so. So the important thing now is to baseline where we're at and make sure that we're maintaining, at least maintaining that over this period of isolation. So it obviously has its own challenges. Tony won't have, you know, the equipment that he had and um, bikes and, and various things. So we're putting together a program for him to to get started with as soon as he gets there, and it's going to involve some mindset activities you know obviously he's going to be there uh, predominantly on his own we'll be doing some zoom workouts we'll be maintaining you know m making sure we focus on cardio but also visualization uh, cognitive awareness just making sure he has that maintains that alertness and certainly doesn't lose any of his uh, strength and cardiovascular fitness so so there's ways we can do that well, there you have it. Lee has got things under control and it sounds like I'm going to be fairly busy during this lockdown period. So I don't think I'm going to get uh, too bored. We're still going to be able to do the Parked Up podcast though. I'm going to have plenty of time. We don't even have to do it on a Monday afternoon. We do it whenever, mate. No, we do it on Monday afternoon because I like routine and I like okay. to be organised with stuff. We'll have two supercar races to report on as well. That's fine. So that'd be great. You'll have oh, plenty of time Do to they watch. have Foxtel at the... I have it on hotel. my phone, so don't worry. Be Perfect. Good. Perfect. Um, what yeah. else are you going to watch on your phone while, while you're there? <laughs> let's, let's just say I hope they have very good internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so other news is Super 2 isn't going to Bathurst, which is a real shame that 
Certainly at this point, we're not going to have a champion mm. in that class and they're going to need to figure out a different way to finish that championship. At the moment, they've kind of only got three, four races under their belt. They, they need a couple more, I would imagine, before mm. Motorsport Australia give them the tick to uh, award a Super 2 champion. So uh, there is, looks like I saw speedcafe.com today report about uh, the chance of Super 2 uh, holding a standalone event. There hasn't been standalone mm. Super 2 events since uh, since back, like in, back in your day. 2006 or 5. That's right. Yeah. Used to go to Wakefield Park, remember? Yeah, Malala. Malala. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a strange one because, you know, if they do crown a champion now after only really two race weekends, mm. uh, it does dilute the, the champion. You know, the fact that somebody's actually won the championship and, and they might legitimately have won it, but... You know, to only cover it over two events, it sort of means it feels like a nothing year, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I'm not surprised they're not going to Bathurst. Uh, very difficult for the Victorian teams to get to Bathurst. You can't really expect a part part timer to go on quarantine for two weeks to do one event. Um, and I think it is fair for everybody um, because some teams probably couldn't actually go to the event. And and, and we've seen other categories now, like Rally Australia, uh, cancel their championship for the year. And I think we're going to see more of that going forward. Yeah. I think most championships, most sporting activities, pretty much every event, mm. anytime you see the record books in 2020, there's going to be a little asterisk, yeah. even if things have gone ahead. I think uh, things like the AFL, NRL, they've, they've been able to manage mm. and get through it. Um, but pretty much everything below that is going to have a big fat asterisk. Mm. Although supercars have done a great job, you know, yeah. uh, Scott McLaughlin or Jamie Winkup or whoever might win it, that they're, they're pretty much a genuine mm. titleist in in my eyes. But um, yeah, not many sports are going to have that uh, have that luxury. Um, okay, a couple of other things we should tick off in news. A couple of great results for some Aussies overseas yep. and Oscar Piastri, the FIA. Formula Three world champion. Yeah, unbelievable. The boys from Melbourne. It's uh, it's a great news story. It is a great news story. Uh, Mark Webber is actually his manager as well. But Oscar's first year in Formula Three in the World Championship, uh, and to win the championship only by I think it was two or three points. It comes mm. right down to the wire. His closest competitor though actually went out early in the second race uh, on Sunday. Uh, but then the guy that was third put in a really big fight and actually almost overcame Oscar. But he just did enough to you know, circulate around and, and get enough points to win the championship. And, you know, awesome result for, the, for a young guy that has certainly got a big future ahead of him. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah, so straight to Formula 2, you reckon? I don't know. Mark Webber said they're just warming up. So uh, we'll, we'll see what's, what's on the cards. But there'll certainly be a lot of eyes on him going forward. I mean, to win that championship in, in such a hotly contested championship, there's guys there that have been there for quite a few years um, and haven't been able to, to take it out. We've got Liam Lawson, who won the final race of the year, who took three wins for the championship from New Zealand. That was his second year in the championship. You know, very fast, but didn't quite put it all together. So there's some really, really red-hot contenders there, and Oscar overcame them all. So very, very impressive. Um, and now, yeah, he looks to try and further his career, but Formula One is definitely in his sights. Perfect. Yeah, well, I know Dan Ricciardo's still got a few more years in him <laughs> yet, but, you know, it's nice that we've got that next driver coming yep. through. It was hard to believe that we went from Alan Jones winning the title in 1980, and then he did a couple more years after that, uh, and we went for a big 10, 15-year mm. period where there was no Aussie and we still loved the racing down here, but it, it was, wasn't until 2002 mm. when Weber came in that we actually had a Aussie a you know, ba back in it. Mm. I know David Brabham did uh, a couple of races uh, in the mid-90s, but it was never a full-time thing and it was for, always for uh, low teams. Yep. But um, we've been really spoilt since Weber that um, that he was in there and made his way through the ranks. Mm. And then Ricardo's come in. Now we're looking for the next kid. Yep. And um, Oscar looks like he's the, the best place to do it. Um, another Australian performing very well overseas that we need to talk about is Dylan O'Keefe. We spoke to him in the lead-up to his World Touring Car debut. He raced 
a Renault Megane RS in the WTCR and did extremely well. Qualified 13th, finished 13th in race one, finished 12th in race two, uh, 22 car field. Names like Gabrielli Tarquini, mm. Ivan Muller, heaps and heaps of touring car hotshots. Best and, in the world. And he held his head very high in, a, in an unproven car, in a new team to that championship. I thought he did an outstanding job. Absolutely. When we spoke to him last week, his goals were to finish, you know, be the first driver outside the factory drivers, and that was around that 12th or 13th mark. He actually beat some of the factory guys. Mm. So he come come in ahead of some of those guys. He beat all the other guys that weren't factory drivers. So he outperformed some of the factory guys, which is super impressive. Never driven on the circuit before, so that's unfamiliar to him. Uh, a new category as well. He hasn't raced all year. All these factors, and he performed really, really well. So I think Dylan will be very, very happy with the results, and the team should be very happy as well because, as Dylan mentioned last week, they're not like a factory Honda team. They're a very small team trying to punch above their weight, and they did that on the weekend. Yeah, no, very good result. And uh, I watched the both races and, and the qualifying session. I thought it was uh, it was good to see and hear the tcr cars Mm -hmm. back back out on track what do they sound like i can't remember uh you'd be surprised (laughs) you remember you remember pretty quick they've got that nice little familiar sound they don't sound like a supercar supercars are awesome yeah but they do have a uh, distinctive uh cool little turbo whistling sound and skidding around um the racing was pretty good uh looking forward to dylan coming back and maybe yourself and him Mm. getting back out on uh, our tracks and and skidding around soon let's hope so one bit of news i didn't mention or you haven't got to just yet okay willpower indycar legend he got his 95th pole on the weekend and won the race as well unbelievable team penske just doing the job yep i think newgarden got second as well so those boys were right on the money there on the weekend. It was good to see Will bounce back. I think that's his first win of the year. I think uh, he hasn't actually got a win so until on the weekend. So that was a very good result for those boys. Aussie's doing the job Absolutely. overseas. And Ricardo almost on the podium as well. It, it was... It was almost almost a perfect weekend. It feels like a podium, though, for, for Danny Rick. You know, we know the Renault's not up to spec like a, you know, like a Mercedes-Benz or even a Red Bull. So uh, for him to be the best of the rest is a big win. Great. Well, excellent result for Will Power. And, damn, I'd like to see him come back and do some more supercar stuff. I know he got to do, he got to do some. He did the E-Series. That mm. was kind of cool seeing him mm. out there doing that. But, uh, yeah, he hopefully in a, in a couple of years' time when his um, – maybe if his open-wheel stuff starts to wind down a mm. little bit uh, or if he can find some time in his schedule, then, yeah, we need to get him back in here into Australia for supercars race or, or something similar. Uh, such a character. Okay, I think we're just about all out of news, Tony D. The one thing that I did write down that we didn't talk about – is GRM entering a wild card mm. in the 1000? Uh, what do you so two real fresh rookies, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Everingham, who did uh, a couple of Super Three and Super Two seasons, uh, and Nathan Hearn, who's never done a supercars race. What do you think about the chance of competing against those guys in the biggest race of the year? I think it's a great opportunity for them. Uh, you might as well jump in and, and you know, get some experience. Um, I'm hoping that I don't get to see a lot of them over the weekend. Hopefully they're, <laughs> they're well behind us. Uh, it's going to be a big challenge for those guys. You know, not a, not a huge amount of experience in a supercar. I mean, Tyler's had, a, had more running than Nathan. Nathan's been driving those big Trans Am sort of things, so he's used to a big car. Um, but, you know, racing the 1000 uh, is, is a special race and, uh, you know, it's going to be a big challenge for those young guys to not get caught up in the moment. They've got a great team with Gary Rogers behind them with a huge amount of experience. But for them, it'll be just about trying to uh, tick laps over, clock those laps and just trying to get to the end of the race. Yeah, so both of those guys have been to Bathurst before. So Tyler, the last time he was there was in the 12-hour, but um, got wiped out in qualifying. He mm. was in one of those Mark cars going big, across the top. That was, a, that was a big crash. It wasn't his fault. He was just um, caught up in the smoke and the dust. And It wasn't his fault, but 
he, he certainly didn't back off when oh. <laughs> there was smoke oh, and dust going. He well, tried to daze the thunder it a little bit. There you go. Well, um, I think uh, a lot of people have mm. uh, a lot of people have done that. Now Nathan Hearn has also been to Bathurst. He raced the Trans Am car at that meeting in in February. Remember mm. how hot it was that weekend? Mm. What a joke! It was great. I can't believe it was uh, that was this year. That was the last race when I went to. This <laughs> <laughs> is silly, isn't it? Um, so he's done laps around there as well. Mm. I know that there's some potential issue around his uh, the licensing of him right. actually competing. Um, he doesn't quite have enough super license points yet. But I know that the I'm sure that the guys at GRM will be working hard to make sure that he can do it. It's an absolute joke if he can't do it because he's raced big old Trans Ams around Bathurst, around the Adelaide street tracks. He know mm. he knows what he's doing and there has to be some clause, some way to to I, get him into the race. I don't understand that super license thing. Like I honestly think it is a way to get another five hundred dollars out of a driver. Like I don't <laughs> get it. I don't understand why we need it. Um, it's it's literally somebody's opinion of how much experience you've got in a race car, not whether you're actually good enough to be uh, behind the wheel of a race car, if you know what I'm saying. Like, you could tick off the the number of events to qualify yourself for a super licence, but you could absolutely do a terrible job of it and not be actually capable of racing at that level, mm. but doesn't sort of take that into account. So I don't get it. I hope... Um, you know, Nathan can get his super license because it would be a shame if he can't, especially in a, in a funny year like we've got this year. And, and Formula One are facing a similar scenario where a lot of the drivers that might want to graduate for next year don't have enough points in their for their super license to actually qualify. And that's because it hasn't been as much racing this year. Mm. So it's a weird scenario. And I think Motorsport Australia really need to have a look at it and you know make a decision based on the circumstances around it. I'm sure a sensible decision will, will come in the end. Usually, like I know uh, people in the racing world like to sook about, mm. um, you know, particular decisions that get made, but more often than not, um, uh, the, the sensible outcome is achieved. Okay, so that's it. That's the end of the news. News is powered by motorsportwebsites.com.au. They've put together the new parked up, .com.au website. It's awesome. You should go and check it out. That's where all of our podcasts are kept. Mm. And if you need your own website with that motorsport touch, then motorsportwebsites.com.au is the place to go. That's the news. That's the views. Now it's time to talk to Roland Dane, one of the very few teams that you've never raced for. Have you ever spoken? Have you ever called Roland and said, hey, can I come and, can I come and drive for Triple Eight? Yes, yes, I, I reckon I definitely have called him. I reckon every driver's called Roland. <laughs> <laughs> I called him uh, after I finished with Walkinshaw. Uh, before I went to DJR Team Penske, I called him and, and said, hey, my name's Tony. <laughs> <laughs> there was an opportunity for me there, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, things have turned out okay. Mm -hmm. um, now, there was, there was plenty of times along the way where our race team inquired about, you know, purchasing Triple Eight equipment because uh, we're always sort of on that Holden side and Triple Eight have always been the gun team. Never eventuated, but there was always plenty of chats uh, between my old man and, and Roland to see whether we could, we could do something. He's a straight shooter, that is for sure, and obviously very successful at what he's, what he's done in motorsport. I actually did contact him. This comes to, to memory now, right? Uh, I went to a British touring car race years ago. Like, I would have been, I don't know, maybe 17, something like that. And I did email him about trying to do a test in one of his cars. Mm -hmm. And his response was... Who are you? No, no, no. He said, why would you want to do that when you've got one of the best touring car categories in the world in Australia? Why would you want to come over here and do that? Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. That was before he was actually involved in supercars. So right. he set his eye on, on things back then. Cool. Yeah, he has loved, uh, I think he just likes the sun here. Mm. Likes the sun uh, and he's picked a good place, good part of the world to be living in. Certainly one that you're allowed to at least leave your, um, <laughs> leave your own house. Let's talk to him. Let's talk to Roland Dane, the owner of Triple A Race Engineering and the Red Bull Holden Racing Team. He's one of the most powerful figures in the sport and he's joining us right now. 
And it's great to welcome Roland Dane onto the Parked Up podcast. Roland, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. I'm just trying to relieve your boredom in lockdown land. Thank you very much. We are super jealous of uh, seeing all you uh, northern types uh, enjoying the, uh, what seems like a, a, a normal life. I'm sure there are some some changes up there. Just uh, your your take on the COVID situation and how it's affected your business, how it's affected the, the sport that we know and love. Uh, guys, in all seriousness, I mean, in, certainly in Queensland, we we look at Victorian and say there, but for the grace of God, go us. You know, it's a uh, it could have could have so easily been up here, and um, and I think uh, we could have had you know a lot of the strife that <clears throat> that you've had. It could have happened on our doorstep. So uh, there's a lot of um, sympathy really for for what's happened, but the overall. Yeah, supercars have have managed, I think, pretty well so far through a um, a dynamic situation that's changed. Um, you know, sometimes hourly, certainly daily and weekly. Try to stay ahead of <laughs> ahead of the game and keep us uh, keep us racing. But it, there's certainly been plenty of of challenges uh, along the way, and and will continue. That's, I think, um, in my opinion. Yeah, the country as a whole needs to grow up and understand that this is um, going to be around affecting us for uh, for some time. You're not suddenly going to have some magical vaccine that it gets distributed to everyone overnight and makes it go away. Uh, so we've got to learn to live with it and we've got to learn to, to operate our sport uh, with it around for some time. But uh, by the same token, yeah, I can see other places in the world are doing that. And there are some good examples out there. And so uh, we, um, as a country, we need to, to learn to um, to live with it and handle it. And in our world, do our bit to to look after ourselves. And um, but on the other hand, carry on with um, carry on with business. Yeah, it's been great that we've that the supercars has been able to to push through because it certainly kept us uh, with something to do on Saturdays and Sundays, sitting on the couch and watching the thing that we, that we love to do. And for sure, we'd all like to, uh, to be there at the events as we typically would be, but yeah, supercars has done a, a pretty grown up job of, uh, of getting it back on track. Now um, we've got, uh, we've got heaps of questions to ask you Roland. Uh, but the first, the major one of course, is the fact that you've, uh, You've finally stepped up to uh, to be the race driver. We know that you've always wanted to be. You drove the Jaguar XJS and the and the Chevy Camaro around Townsville. How long have you been planning to get back to get behind the wheel? Um, <laughs> and what's the uh, what's the future for Triple Eight's latest star driver? <laughs> well, thanks for taking the piss. Um, <laughs> uh, I haven't actually I haven't actually driven in a in a, in a race since 1995 was the last time I uh, raced. So in Queen, in Townsville, in, in um, the, what did they call it? North Queensland uh, super sprinters. Um, that was really, yeah, just against the clock sprinting around the track. Uh, it was, that was put together by um, a guy I know, uh, Pat Driscoll, who's the guy behind the drive it uh, circuit that's being built uh, outside Townsville. And uh, so I saw an opportunity to, to be honest, have a 10 days off uh, in the north of the state, drive up there with Jessica, um, get the guys to take a, a couple of my cars and, and play around. And so, uh, to be honest, it, it was, wasn't really planned that it would ever, ever happen, but it did. And um, not only did I have fun driving those two cars, but also drove Nash Morris's Toyota 86 on the second weekend as well. Uh, and, uh, had a, a whole lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. it. Made me sweat a lot. Probably good, <laughs> good for trying to get rid of some of the lockdown kilos that have amassed. Uh, but, um, I, I enjoyed it and, uh, got a, got a, an awful lot of, uh, satisfaction out of out of wheeling those cars around what is a 
a pretty tight circuit at, and and um, a lot more to it than than really meets the eye when you're just w- walking around it or watching it on on TV. I was actually going to ask if it gave you a better sort of uh, perspective on what the drivers are actually facing in those big supercars. Now you've actually had a chance to drive, you know, quite a large vehicle around um, the Townsville circuit. Are we going to see you back behind the wheel at any future events? Have you got any in mind going forward? No, I mean, I'm just, I'm mucking around, just doing a sprint here and there. You know, I've got a few cars here that I keep for doing, for having fun like that. Um, the As far as that, that circuit goes, it, it, it was interesting in the, you know, I, afterwards I said, when you're going 20 seconds a lap quicker in a supercar, um, it really is all happening. It's a mm. very busy circuit, and uh, you got a very small respite on the front straight. But uh, but it's a very busy circuit, and um, even when we're trundling around, you know, 20 seconds off the pace in a um, in a big car. So a lot of respect for for what the guys do uh, wheeling the cars around there so so fast uh, for for so many laps. Now, the Supercars Championship is building quite nicely. Uh, obviously, Jamie and Scott are the, the main contenders for the championship. Uh, do you think you guys have got enough to overcome Scott? Obviously, 100, almost 150 points there deficit, but still a few races to do that. Um, yeah, I think we've got, uh, what, seven seven individual races, including, including uh, the big one. Mm. Uh, at Bathurst, um, who knows? Uh, Scotty is doing a great job. He's uh, very much driven with the championship in mind from the off this year. And uh, he's a a formidable competitor, um, as uh, as is the crew around him. And so uh, it's a – we always enjoy – the challenge, even if we get um, you know, pissed off in the heat of the moment, and I think the, I think the same applies to him. Uh, so we're yeah we're we're looking forward to it. Uh, it's uh, uh, it'll be hopefully uh, hopefully a great scrap uh, over the yeah over the three remaining uh, weekends of uh, racing. I mean, I'm looking forward to. To watching it, I, I won't be playing a very big part in it, but uh, that's probably a good thing. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of able people who who will be, and um, honestly, it's it's exactly what it should be. You know, a big competition between um, between you know, two best drivers in the category. So no restriction on yourself attending uh, the bend. I'm sure you'll definitely be at the 1000, but. We'll see you at at the bend for those two weekends. No, I don't think I'll I'll be there. To be honest, we've got an awful lot going on at the moment, and uh, you know we've got to make sure that we've got our um, got our ducks in a row for for next year. And so that's very much in our minds at the moment of working on that here. So I'm a bit preoccupied with uh, with that right now. But then, yeah, I fully intend to to go to Bathurst for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a huge race. I'm sure one that you won't want to miss, one that you probably haven't missed for uh, for for many many years now. Crowd or no crowd, uh, this year's going to be huge. The 1000, you know, after the year that we've had, I think a, a great celebration to to cap off um, what's been a trying year for for everyone, but but uh, in particular the supercars teams, the the Victorian teams who have been away from home for. A, for a long time, but also very important for your team in particular, in that it's the the last race, I guess, for for Holden as a uh, as a brand in in the Australian car market. So, uh, what what's the plans to uh, to celebrate that at Bathurst this year? I'm sure you got something nice and good up your sleeve. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll we'll certainly we'll certainly recognise the fact that it's. Um, it's Holden's uh, last event as a, a in an official capacity, if you like. I mean, the cars will run next year, um, but uh, the uh, to be honest, an awful lot of the activations that were re- originally planned uh, were very um, were very spectator centric, 
and fan centric and so and we just haven't been able to do that so he uh which is a, which is a shame but that's the way it is i mean we can't change that so uh, a lot of the original plans for the event have um have had to be parked um through a combination of knowing that there, if there are spectators there won't be very many and um and not knowing if there'll be any to be honest so yes therefore becomes impossible to uh to plan um so that that is a shame that uh that a lot of the stuff that we had originally planned to do um can't happen now you hear a lot about the current health of supercars um within the industry i mean you're you're in amongst it all um sometimes it's not so positive but there's a new TV deal on the horizon and obviously a brand new uh, category sponsor as well in, in Repco. So there's some really great things happening there and positive uh, things for the sport. Yes, I mean, it, fundamental to, to it is the, um, is the television deal. So mm. yeah, if, if all the rumours um, come true and uh, hopefully they do very shortly, uh, then we're pretty well set up from, from that point of view uh, for the next few years, uh, so that that's that's the first and foremost, um, you know, an, an essential ingredient of of the of the commercial success of the category, um, and then gives the teams a chance to to then <coughs> uh, create their own structure, commercial structures around it. Uh, the, I mean, the series sponsor is great to it's great to have um, a good series sponsor. Don't get me wrong, but it's but it's actually it's not that material to each individual team. Mm. Um, what's, what's important is the, uh, is the strength of the television deal, the partners involved in that, and then having a, a, a good calendar and a calendar that is uh, well set out in so much as you can uh, foresee what it looks like next year, you know, cause everything's subject to COVID mm. Uh, but a good calendar that takes us, you know, gives us a great geographical spread because that's one of the, uh, a major selling point for us compared with football codes uh, is going to every state and territory apart from the ACT. So uh, plus hopefully New Zealand. Um, so if we maintain that, then uh, these are essential building blocks for for next year. There's, I mean, at the end of the day, there isn't a contract in the sport that hasn't been broken uh, this year because you had to. You know, we just can't deliver some of the things that uh, we would have originally contracted to deliver, whether that's you know, ride days or activations, the number of events, all the rest of it, etc. So, so everyone's had to sit down with everyone they interact with in terms of partners and sponsors. Um, and relook at, at what they're doing, and of course, you've also got a backdrop of of an economy uh, that's now in, now in the first recession for 30 years in this country. So uh, we've, um, but the building blocks are are there um, from what we've um, from what we know, and and they should become apparent in the um, in the public domain very shortly. Uh, that enables us to put together, uh, hopefully, a, a good, sustainable uh, championship for, for next year and beyond. Great. We, we certainly look forward to it. It's a shame that the category couldn't go to places like Perth, Tasmania, uh, you know, some of those events that are, are supported so well by, by governments there, but obviously impossible to do in in the current environment. You can imagine, though, that when... The championship does get to go back to those places. You know, there'll be a a really great big following, big uh, big support for it, and you know we might see a resurgence in in some crowd numbers. Yes, I think so. I think um, I think across the sporting landscape, and and not just sport, other activities that people have come to take for granted over over many years, uh, as and when those come back on track, then uh, there will be. Yeah, huge interest in in getting back out and 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 enjoying those uh, those events uh, in whatever form they are. So uh, hopefully some of that uh, ref reflects on us. But we also will need to recognise the fact that 
disposable incomes not might may not be what they what they have been in the past i think it's highly likely that uh, the amount of the amount of money floating around the economy uh, for people to uh, to enjoy themselves and for for non-essential activities uh, could be reduced so so it's up to us to be proactive as a as a category as a sport to uh, to understand what yeah this brave new world is likely to look at so it looked like certainly for uh, for several years and um, and understand what the events look like uh, how we how we run them um, because we've got to also make sure as a category that we don't think that we can just go straight back to what we were doing yeah last year we can't I mean the fact is that uh we'll we'll have to be more sensible as we have been this year in terms of um operating expenses i guess that brings us to to gen 3 you've played a huge role in in how holden goes about its racing in its current form what sort of level of involvement would you like triple eight to have in gen 3 would it be supplying the the teams that run the same badge as the cars that you're building, or do you do you think, or would you like to be able to supply even more across the board? No, uh, um, the first and foremost, uh, the the um, is to to stick to the plan of being people being able to um, source parts where they need to make parts where they're able to uh, to put together a car for a substantially um, smaller amount of money than now. Uh, so if we can make some bits for people, uh, we will. Uh, but um, it, what's more important is that we've got a, a car that hits the right price point initially, uh, but is also durable to run. And unfortunately, from a, uh, my point of view as an enthusiast, it has to be um, dumbed down to an extent in terms of, of uh, the ability to fiddle with it. And uh, that's the only way that we can sustain the sport going forward is to have a, a simpler car that doesn't have the same uh, ability as we've as we've had over the years for teams to individualize them, if you like. Uh, and although an awful lot of pathways for that have been closed down over the last uh, decade, they'll have to be closed down further uh, just to sustain the 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 sport at a time when there's going to be less money to spend. I think this year has been a great example of some changes that have been made within the category that has really made uh, it a little bit easier for the smaller teams to actually perform. Uh, we've seen the control damper is one of those things. Obviously, the uh, aero package, uh, the parity has been spot on this year. So you've been you've given other teams the opportunity to actually you know, have a win or get podiums and and you know, showcase their sponsors, which I think has been a real bonus. Um, so even though you're sort of saying that you're trying to simplify things, it hasn't detracted from the show. Um, and, and trust me, we've done a lot of watching on the couch this year. Um, the, sh- <laughs> the show's been as good as ever to watch. Yes, and, and uh, I think it has been a good show. I mean, the, uh, to be honest, the, the control damper, uh, that's, that's cost the category more money than it's saved so far this year. Uh, yeah, you had two of Charlie's cars in the wall at uh, Adelaide. I mean, the, the fact is that it wasn't tested. Mm-hmm. And, and what this category has got to get away from is running unproven parts on the cars. There have been dramas with other parts that are less visible to the, uh, to, to the fans, etc., which have just been introduced because somebody's decided that we're going to introduce them and they haven't been tested properly. So, uh, and I don't think it, honestly, I don't think the damper has made a blind bit of difference to the competitiveness of the smaller teams. What has made a difference is, is a leveling of, of the playing field, if you like, in terms of the number of people that you can have a, at events, mm-hmm. because some of the smaller teams haven't really had to cut very much, whereas the bigger teams have had to. So uh, the, uh, the taking, uh, taking refueling away from all the events apart from, from Bathurst has saved 
um, a huge amount of work, especially for people when they're, you know, they're going from circuit to circuit and not going back to base, uh, which has helped. Uh, so the and and most of all as well is people having to manage their tires. So having five sets of tires when you've really got six stints, if you like, has meant you've had to manage tires. I mean, I I, I do not agree with mixing tires in the way that we currently do hard and soft compound we stopped doing that some years ago because um it was you know people throwing one race one day so they could win the next day that's that's in my mind that's just bullshit um but the but the not having quite enough tires to do the weekend um and then having a variation in terms of pit stops are you doing two tires three tires four tires etc um, that that's been interesting to watch. I don't. I mean, to be honest, hasn't been captured as well as it should have been in by television. Sometimes, uh, in fact, as a, a you know, as a couch potato watching it, it's been deeply frustrating often that you, it hasn't been immediately apparent who's done what. Yeah. But but it has um, it has given uh, some some different uh, approaches, some different strategies. And um, people have have been able to, uh, you know, show well. I mean, this good example, for instance, is Scotty Pye, mm. who he hasn't qualified very well, to be honest, but he's raced very well, and he's been able to to race well, uh, and uh, with a a pretty level playing field. But you've still got you've still got the the best drivers are at the front of the field, you know, like uh, Scotty. Jamie, Shane, Chaz, and um, and Cam. There's a reason why they're at the front at the front of the field. Yeah, look, interesting that you bring up drivers. It leads me perfectly to my next question. You must have read my notes here. The driver market, typically around this time of year, is is something that's red hot, and we're you know talking about who's who might be switching where. But your team has never really been a proper player in the driver market because you've had Craig, you've had Jamie, you picked up. Shane, you know, you you let Craig go when when there were when there was no more uh, no seat there left for him, but you, you've never really been in that uh, silly season market. Uh, and look at at the moment, doesn't look like you have to do that for another couple of years either. How how close though do you pay attention to, you know, who's uh, who's the next driver that you'd like to see come through the team? Obviously, nothing stays the same forever. How do you currently see it? Well, we always keep an eye on what's going on because somebody might trip over. Um, so you always always got an awareness of 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 what's going on both in our category and um, and around the world, uh, whether it's young drivers or drivers drive you know who are competing in other in other categories. So I think um, yeah, we've we've deliberately tried to have uh, long long-term relationships with with drivers uh so yes we haven't been fishing around the driver market uh very much over over the years we've tried to have stability um as much as possible the big question for the driver market for next year is what scotty's up to and um yeah he's the um he's the the star player out there uh so and whilst there's yeah, nothing public about uh, about what he's doing and what his plans are for next year. Then um, it it makes it difficult for for some of the other pieces probably to to uh, to fall into um, fall into position. Um, yeah, I think I, I think the strangest um, <laughs> the 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 strangest situation is that everyone's talking about. Yeah, behind the sheds about what Scotty's doing, but and he's talking about going to compete, but, <laughs> but nobody knows. But it doesn't really affect us as a team, so I'm not bothered, um, <laughs> to be honest. So, would you ever consider going back to three cars? Maybe certainly not for next year, but you know, uh, Gen Three regulations in a couple of years' time, if things are a little bit uh, cheaper to to strap it together, would you like to go back to three or or consider it? Look, um, you never say never. 
but um, certainly not for next year, uh, but for uh, in the future, who knows? Uh, but that almost certainly wouldn't be my decision, you know, that, that I will have, uh, I'll have my feet up. Um, there'll be, uh, that might be Jamie's and Jessica's and other people's decision to make. So when, and what's, what's your timeline on that? Obviously you, you now have a number of people as part, part owners and or shareholders, which, uh, I guess you've, it's been, you know, well documented about that, but, um, so that, so, so do you have an end end date end end goal for you know when uh, you won't be making the uh, all the big calls no uh, i don't i mean it, it, that would be wrong in this current environment uh, we have to wait and see <clears throat> uh, see what happens but certainly um, my my expectation is that you know, sooner or later uh, that um, uh, that Jamie and co are uh, are taking the big big decisions you're not me there's some other things i'll i'd like to do and have time to 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 do so um it, the those yeah those driver questions might be for them not for me <laughs> okay so and so the other big things that you're going to do obviously is going to concentrate on your uh your racing career obviously what mate, what about wildcat <laughs> what about wildcard in the 1000 for Roland day uh, yeah right. Um, uh, it, to be honest, I'd I'd be too worried about doing a Denny Holm and having a heart attack on Conrad Strait. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm older than he was when that when that happened. So um, no, I uh, there are yeah I just, I want to be able to to uh, do some other things. I'd like to go off and do some do some more sailing. I'd like to do some more travelling once we're allowed to. Um, and uh, have some uh, have some other fun with yeah I've got I've got a, a lot of good friends around the world and I'd like to be um, able to go and you know shoot shit with them. Awesome, Roland. We thank you so much for your time on Parked Up. One final question for this episode: We asked some of our Facebook fans what was the very first race meeting they ever went to. What what was the first race track, the first race meeting memory that you have? Um, yeah, okay. The the so in the early and mid seventy, I was just motorcycle mad. I had an awareness of of cars, but I was first and foremost just uh, absolutely mad about motorcycles. And so, uh, in about. I can't remember, I think about 1974, uh, and I went to um, Mallory Park, which is a little circuit in the middle of England near Leicester, uh, <laughs> to watch um, to watch something called the Race of the Year uh, with some mates, and we all piled in a car, and I can't remember how many of us got in it, but it seemed like a lot. <laughs> And and drove up uh, from the the south side of London up to uh, up to Mallory Park. Got there. There would have been forty thousand people there. Uh, we commandeered a tree. Uh, got up in the tree where we could watch the action. And uh, we just had a we had a ball, and I remember it uh, very clearly. And and then from then on. We were just flat out sold on uh, on bikes, and uh, we you know, we we used to go to British Grand Prix to watch Formula One and go to to some of the Speedway race meetings. But really, we we all we wanted to do was go and watch bikes until we until we started uh, racing them ourselves a couple of years later. Brilliant. Well, that's a, that's not a bad uh, bad name for a race event, uh, race of the year. That's one you certainly don't want to miss. Well, Google it. It was, and, and you can you can still see some old footage on YouTube and everything of the yeah. When I look at a MotoGP grid with three beautifully parked bikes waiting for the lights to go out and everything, in those days you'd have six or seven bikes on the front row revving the shit out of each of the engines and a bloke with a flag uh, standing there. And by the time he'd even thought about raising or lowering the flag, whichever it was, um, most of the front row had already gone. 
and so and the back row had gone 20 minutes before so it was it was chaotic and fantastic to uh uh to watch but with those yeah those big names in um in in the in the motorcycle scene in the in the 70s all getting paid in cash to be there uh had brown paper bags full of cash that the first start money um filling their boots with it etc uh it was and the smell of castrol R everywhere it was uh yeah rose tinted spectacles but i love them Awesome. Well, Roland, we wish you all the best for the last few rounds of the this year's Supercar Series and certainly look forward to seeing you at a track one time soon, maybe. Yeah, well, certainly, uh, Tony, at, uh, at at Bathurst, once you've done the uh, once you've done the quarantine, I think you're going to the Hawkesbury River or something, aren't you? Um, <laughs> I'm going, up, uh, going to Darwin to quarantine a couple of weeks. Oh, are you? You're yeah. going to do it up there? Yeah, and then come yeah, to cool. Brisbane, catch up with the team. Yeah, great. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you look after yourselves down there. Yeah, thanks for coming on, mate. We'll see you then. Okay. Ciao. Well, there you have it. He's definitely got some strong views on where the category is going and how it's performed this year. All very positive. And uh, he sees that there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel there, especially with the television deal. Mm. That sounds like it's going to be a good one. Yeah, the next, uh, next one, it has to go to the Seven Network. Mm. I guess there's no... Other options. They've been there's, everywhere there's a, else. There's enough. <laughs> there's enough news out there that um, that I, I think that's the only place it'll go. I guess it'll just come down to how much Cash. that that deal is. I guess without being a half a glass half full kind of guy, mm. uh, it's probably going to be less than what they've currently got. But uh, you know what? In the next couple of years, if they can tone down the cost of the cars, mm. then that that. Um, TV revenue might be offset by uh, running running them cheaper as well, and maybe a few more cars in in, in the pack as well. You know, so many um, so many questions, but some really good news for supercars recently with with Repco coming in as mm. major sponsor. Yep. So they got some positive stuff happening, and I saw the other day that Roland does have a manufacturer going into twenty twenty two. So that'll be interesting to see who they are. Mm. Um, oh, we I'm didn't sure we'll ask about out. that. Yeah, that was one of the things we didn't ask. Nah, he wouldn't have told us anyway, don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like they've got a lot that they're working on in, in the background. You know, you, you spoke about not going to Tail and Bend, and I, I assume that's because he's got so much other stuff to, to work on, even though it's a couple of years away. I'm sure there's a lot of work to do. Okay, well, that is it. Parked up, powered by Race Fuels, episode 26 your haircut, your hair at the no moment good, looks it? like it hasn't been touched for 26 weeks. I definitely need a haircut. I'll be getting one of them in Brisbane, I reckon. It's getting long, isn't it? It's pretty, pretty long. It's pretty Have long. Have you ever seen my hair? Some this, of those this... na- native Darwin people, you're going to fit in perfectly. There's a lot of greys in there now too. Have you, you ever seen my hair club? this long? Um, uh, no, I don't nah, think so. I, think, so no. I think when we had a fancy dress party once and you were wearing a big wig, oh, there you that, go. that could have been the only other time <laughs> I saw you uh, saw you with big hair. We're getting off track, but uh, well, we let's... have to thank our guests for coming on the show today. A big thank you to Roland Dane, Lee Stamation. Yep. Did I say that right? Yep. Stimation. What did he say? It was Greek. Yeah. Greek heritage. Okay. Right. I'll have to give him shit about that. Mm-hmm. Who else we got? Uh, all the uh, all, that's all we spoke to. Although or th- we thank everyone for all of their contributions on our Facebook page. Uh, more questions coming through, more news. Stay tuned, and also stay tuned for a really cool little piece of art. Which uh, I reckon by the time you hear this, you'll you'll see it out and about. Our new logo, Tony. We've got a new logo. <laughs> it's huge. Have a great week. See you later. See you.